What's up, everybody? Welcome to another special edition of Through the Keyhole. Brady Trantham here. Hopefully you enjoyed the Tuesday pod that dropped uh, late last night. Still having some problems with the artwork. I know it still says Inside OU. I was on a computer with Apple for about two or three hours going back and forth with whoever, whatever nice young man or woman was trying to help me um, on Apple support. Uh, they, it, I wish they would just let me call them or have them call me so I could explain to them, I want this picture. I don't want this old one. I want this picture, the red one. Um, it's right on Spotify. So Spotify listeners, you don't have this problem, but on the Apple podcast, it still says inside OU. Apologies. I'm trying to get that sorted out, but hopefully you enjoyed the podcast that dropped last night. And like I said yesterday, please, if you have not already, leave a five-star rating and review. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps the show out. Like I said last week, it'd be every Monday, but that one dropped on Tuesday and this one will be dropping on Wednesday because our schedules have been fairly busy, but my guest schedule is much, much, much busier than mine. So without further ado, welcome back the road warrior. How are you doing, sir? How, how are things treating you? I'm good, Brady. How are you? Just trying to have some fun, trying to have some fun on a Tuesday night as much as I can getting ready for Nebraska, um, which I don't know why, it's starting to freak me out. And I think it's just because there's just so much in the air about how, oh yeah, oh, you should win. Oh, you, oh, you should dominate, blah, blah, blah. And they absolutely should. But my God, has this been in the atmosphere about this game since, you know, last season ended. It's like, oh yeah, Nebraska's coming into town, game of the century, 50th year anniversary, but oh, you should wax them. Maybe I'm just a little old school. Maybe I'm just a little oh, superstitious. But something about this game is starting to kind of worry me. But I know you're going to do a good job of like, no, oh, he's going to kick their ass, and they absolutely should. Well, I, I think I think we should. I can't say that we will. I mean, there's no 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 certainties in this world, but I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I mean, the good thing is the game ends at eleven or ends at around two thirty. It's going to start at eleven, as we all know. So. We'll know fairly quickly, just like we did against Tulane and just like we did against Western Carolina, which OU team we're going to see. Uh, but I guess we'll start with the Western Carolina game. And um, what was it like being back in the stadium at full capacity, which, you know, I, even though I was reminded of it in a handful of places, like even on the broadcast, it was still like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess that's true, because watching the games last year on TV, like, of course, you know, it's at not full capacity you know what's going on but i kind of lost that perspective of oh this game is not just special because it's technically the home opener uh but because it's the first time since what ou what would have been iowa state or ou tcu and jalen hurts's year that the stadium had been full so uh, right. i mean I, I can assume and then with it being september 11th with the gigantic american flag and the flyover pregame, I could imagine it was a fun atmosphere in the stadium. But uh, what was it just like, kind of being back uh, to the way things used to be? Well, I I was dealing with kids and and got in a little late, so I missed the missed the flag and and just missed the flyover, uh, which is okay. I mean, I've seen flyovers, but um, it was nice. You know, it it seems it didn't seem strange. It just seemed it seemed normal. Um, 
you know, they had, they had the stripe, the stadium gimmick. And as they do, every time they have that, I have to wear white, which I own like two white OU shirts and, you know, they're out to get me. I'm just going to start wearing red when they do that just to protest because I always have to wear white. Um, but that actually worked out semi well. Uh, it didn't look too ragged in the stadium and it was nice to, it was nice to have a full house. Yeah. I, I guess like the better question could have been like, so you just never got accustomed to half capacity stadiums. Like I, I would imagine that'd be kind of the mentality of like, this is temporary. Like, don't get used to this because it's going to get loud at some point. Again, it's going to be full at some point, hopefully in the near future. Unfortunately, um, we were, we were able to have those things, you know, despite some other things here and there around the world, but you know, we're able to have our luxuries at least in some capacity. Yeah, no, like I said, you know, the only thing I was going to miss about the limited capacity was being able to leave my house 40 miles away an hour. Oh yeah. <laughs> can't, can't, can't do that anymore. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we got, we got an RV and we're hanging out down at Lloyd Noble and, and you know, coming in, coming in early and staying until the next day. So it's, uh, not having to deal with traffic at all doing that. Yeah. And I'm still trying to decide if I should stay at my parents' house on Friday after I get off work. I'm in Norman to beat the game day traffic coming from Oklahoma city on early Saturday morning, still trying to decide, but yeah, I've not really had to deal with that obviously uh, being last year and what we all go through. So yeah, 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 yeah. We can talk more and more about the football though, but I, I mean, Western Carolina kind of to me represented the classic get right game. Um, I was happy to hear that Spencer Rattler described the week of practice leading up to the game as uncomfortable because it absolutely should have been <laughs> considering what we saw sure. against Tulane. But, um, you know, we, we talked about this all week prior to the Western Carolina game, like how much can you learn from a game like this against an opponent so bad? Um, you know, I, I tried to argue that you can learn some some very specific things and you can learn like big picture things. And I think with what OU's expectation is, and realistically what it is, I think they did exactly what they had to do and they put their best foot forward. Now it's just kind of um, on them to keep building on that, that uh, foot forward that they uh, showed against Western Carolina. Well, sure. And, and I said it, this, I said this on Twitter during the game and I, I, you know, I think it just, it sums up my thoughts about the whole thing, that game, you know, really succinctly, which is that, uh, you know, I was pleased because we were executing well, and we showed the proper level of interest in what was going on. Uh, you know, frankly, both of those things were lacking, at least in the second half against Tulane. Um, you know, we thought we had the game won and we just, we acted like it. Well, uh, Saturday night they didn't. And yeah, it was an, it was an outmatched team that we were going to thump either way. Uh, but they were focused. They did what they needed to do. Um, you know, that's what you should do to, to a team that's that much, that, that more, that inferior to you is, is you should stomp them like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's what good teams do. Good teams cover good teams, dominate teams. They're supposed to. And that's why there were a lot of question marks around this team just after one game. It was like, yeah, I mean, Tulane, as we saw, I mean, they scored 69 points against Furman or Fordham. I don't know who they played week two, but you know, still Tulane scoring damn near 70 points that, I mean, good teams do that. Bad teams don't do that. So, but regardless of that, no matter how good Tulane ends up being, OU should have still beaten the crap out of them just because OU is OU. They have their talent and Tulane doesn't have any, like the talent comparatively uh, that sniffs what OU has. So it's still always going to be a bad look. That's why the questions were there. But 
I don't know how you can have those questions now moving forward, except for, well, what does OU look like when the talent uh, or the, the competition kind of has an, a little bit of an uptake in uh, talent uh, going into Nebraska? Or what happens when the opponent is able to kind of punch back? Do we see the same bad habits we saw against Tulane? Do we see the same OU squad get up maybe 17 or 20 points in the first half and just say, all right, we got it in the bag, put it on cruise control again, which is what this Rattler era Oklahoma team is kind of, that's what's been plaguing them the last year and a half. I mean, that's basically the next question, right? Oh, I think so. Uh, you know, the, the question, the question along those same lines is, you know, which team is better Tulane or Nebraska? Um, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure Tulane wouldn't beat Nebraska from what I've seen of both of them up to now. Uh, but regardless, Agreed. Uh, if, if they, if, if the team shows the same level of focus and the same uh, level of execution as they did against um, Western Carolina, um, I, I don't have any concerns. Now, again, there's no guarantee that's, that's going to happen, but um, you know, this is a, this is a big game. I don't know that the current players really understand, you know, what OU Nebraska is or what it always has been. Um, you know, it was always a, a huge thing for me when I was a kid and, and when I wasn't a kid, um, that was the biggest, that was the biggest game of the year. That was bigger than Texas because you, you know, you're playing to go to the orange bowl most of the time. And, uh, so, I mean, I got, got a lot of fond memories of, of playing Nebraska and it's going to be neat to see him come back. It's just, uh, it's not going to be the same. Uh, it, yeah. it'll be, an, it, it's a novelty. It's not, it's not the same as it was. Um, and, and I, I may have already said this, I'm, I'm really almost worried about what's going to happen when we go up there next year, just because I have such good memories of the way that, that we were always treated when we went to Nebraska. I mean, literally people would come up and clap you on the back and say, welcome, which I've never had that happen anywhere else. Maybe <laughs> Notre Dame, people at Notre Dame are really nice, but, um, but you know, Nebraska, they would treat you like an old friend. And I'm not sure, you know, we're almost a generation removed from that now. And I'm not, you know, I don't know who's, who's left up there that remembers that. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I'd like to think that because like it's a novelty, like you said, like people are going to be doing their deep dives into the rivalry. So like people that are, you know, my age that really have only been alive for two legitimately nationally relevant OU Nebraska games, you know, the 2000 game, the 2001 game. Other than that, it was either Nebraska beatdowns or Oklahoma beatdowns or the two big toll title games, which are regionally important um, for fans. My age that week, they'll be kind of educated just like the current players Lincoln riot met earlier in his press conference earlier today mentioned that, you know, they've educated their players about the importance of this rivalry. And I saw on Twitter that, a lot of people are like, well, why? Like, why should the players have to care about the rivalry, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's to potentially avoid the pitfall of playing Tulane and playing like they did. If the players understand that, hey, it, at the very least, this is a helmet school coming to town. At the very least, this this should be a game that you should be excited for. It's a, it's a power five opponent. It's a great opportunity for you to showcase how good you are, how good you can look. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game because a lot of people, especially a lot of media members that have votes and influence, they're just like you. They grew up watching this game because it was so important nationally year in and year out. So this is a great opportunity for this OU team. But I think in terms of the fan bases, I mean, I said it, I said it earlier today with Keegan, 
I want to believe that Nebraska will bring legions of fans this Saturday, even though they probably think the game will go just like we all think it will, um, because they see this more more than just a, a football game that will be played, but more of just kind of like a celebration of the past and um, just a big symbol for what college football used to be, what Nebraska used to be, and even what OU used to be. So I want to believe that if that's the case, Nebraska fans will come in, in droves and then when OU has the return trip next year in Lincoln, well, Nebraska fans either older who remember or Nebraska fans younger who don't remember or don't have any memories at all, they'll be educated enough to understand that this is not just some power five opponent coming to town that you want to beat. This is an old friend, essentially. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope, I hope that I don't know. I don't know if it's going to turn out that way, uh, but, uh, but I'll be there to find out. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, it's, it's, like I said, I, I gotta, I gotta get in there and see the end on the helmet. I gotta get in there and kind of get the vibe of the thing. And, and maybe by, maybe I'll feel differently about it. Once, once I see the game going on, it just, it just feels, it just feels weird. Um, it, it, it does. It's in September. First of all, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, well, it's yeah, probably I mean, going to be hot. And OU, mean, OU Nebraska does not, when I think about the rivalry, I don't think, oh, it's hot outside. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, I mean, when we played them in, in 2000, that was what? End Late of October. October. Yeah. And that was, that was really early for that game. And we were still getting used to that because we'd only been in, in the Big 12 for, uh, what, four seasons at the time, or that was yep. the fifth season, I guess. And, you know, and it had gone to, to every, you know, two out of every four years, and it wasn't played at the end of the season anymore. Uh, which, you know, and that was, that was weird even then, um, you know, I was always used to it being the day after Thanksgiving, uh, forever. It was the day after Thanksgiving. I remember driving, driving up to, you know, leaving, uh, my little brother who, uh, my baby brother who just turned, uh, 41. Uh, I remember taking him to Lincoln when he was 11 for the first took him up there for the first time for the 19, the 1991 game. Um, and, uh, so yeah. And it was, it was, you know, 33 degrees and raining hard and we were ahead the whole game until the end when we weren't. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, you know, those are the kinds of things I remember, uh, haven't, I guess that the 1990 game when we won, I've been to every, Every OU Nebraska game since that 1990 game, 1990 to now, I've been to every game uh, between OU and Nebraska. And, and I went to a bunch of them before then, but I'd never been to any in, Le- in Lincoln before that. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been a, <laughs> I mean, because I, I did the math. And, and by when I say I did the math, I, I typed it into some like search engine to find out the answer. But um, I mean, if you, let's see, you went to every OU Nebraska game from the 90 game where we won 45 to 10. So you had to wait 3,627 days for OU to beat Nebraska again uh, from 1990 until 2000, which was almost four, exactly four years. If that game had been played in November in 2000, um, it would have, it it would have been 10 years. I never even, I never even really thought about that. Of course, the, 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 the early and the early and mid nineties were really just, you know, it just kind of wrote that off. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we, we lost to everybody then. And it was, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I mean, I, I remember, 
I remember debating whether to go to the 97 uh, OU Nebraska game, which was the game where they beat us 69 to seven up in Lincoln. And, and it was Tom Osborne's 250th win and it was big to do. And I, and I was seriously considered not going because I knew what was going to happen. But uh, as I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, I've already, you know, I was going to fly into Kansas city, drive the rest of the way. And I already had the arrangements made and, you know, I knew the people wouldn't rub it in. I knew the Nebraska people would be nice about it. I'm like, okay, well, I've been going to all the games for, you know, six years. I might as well, might as well keep on things. Things will get better sometime. And so I went to that game and, and we got thrashed. And the second the clock hit zero, I was out the door and got out of Lincoln in record time because everybody stayed behind to see the fireworks for Tom's 250th win. So I got out of town quicker than anybody. Yeah. Yeah, like doing a little bit of a deep dive on the 90s, um, OU Nebraska years. I mean, of course, it, it hurts because, I mean, there was a three-year stretch. You mentioned the third year, 69-7 and 97, 73-21 and 96. And then 95, the Tommy Frazier team, they beat OU 37 to nothing. And, you know, what was really fascinating to me, and I didn't, I didn't know this specifically, I always had this understanding that, Switzer always got the best of Tom Osborne, but when you go back and look at the numbers, it was really interesting to see how just how much uh, Barry Switzer kind of owned Tom Osborne because uh, I wrote it on the Monday post, so I'll, I'll probably get it wrong because I kind of knocked it out of my brain. But I think Osborne was four and twelve against Barry Switzer, and then five and twelve against OU until the '90s when you know when Nebraska basically became the Alabama of that decade. And when Osborne retired after 97, he finished his career against OU at 13 and 13. So it, it does a disservice to basically the entirety of the OU Nebraska rivalry, according to Tom Osborne, because when both programs were on par with one another and nationally relevant, I mean, OU was just better. And the reason why Osborne has 13 wins is because, unfortunately for OU, the 90s happened. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And the thing that the thing that I always think of about Tom Osborne and, and playing Nebraska when he was the coach is the 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 clip, the video clip from when, uh, you know, in 78, we were the better team, but we kept leaving the ball in the field and, and lost by three in Lincoln. Uh, then um, we're playing. I think we're playing OSU the next weekend and we think we're going to the Sugar Bowl. The band is playing, you know when the saints come marching in and all kinds of things. And then we hear, cause you know, there's no internet or, you know, cell phones or anything. So we hear just over the stadium announcements that uh, Nebraska has lost to Missouri, which means that it was, it became a tie, you know, a tie for the big eight and the orange bowl decided to invite Nebraska as the champion and Oklahoma to play them. And the, the, they had a camera in the room when Tom Osborne and Tom and uh, Bob Devaney got the call uh, from the Orange Bowl committee, and they had it. They had a camera when Switzer got the call too, and Switzer just has this shit-eating grin on his face when he hears that we're going to play Nebraska, and Osborne and Devaney are just standing there stone-faced, and literally the guy uh, from the Orange Bowl, he says, you know, we'd like to. Uh, you know, tell you that we've invited the University of Oklahoma to be your opponent in the Orange Bowl. And there's no response. And the guy literally says, hello, hello. And, and Osborne kind of cracks a smile 
just this kind of this wan grin and, and you know, he knew what was going to happen. Uh, he didn't want any part of us. And that game, that game only ended that orange bowl only ended up a seven point game, but only because they scored a touchdown at the very end. It wasn't nearly that close. Billy Sims ran all over them. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't, didn't make up for not winning the national championship because not beating them in the regular season, probably that probably cost us the national championship that year. But, um, it was a satisfying way to end the season. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And like whenever Switzer talks about that game, he likes to bring up that in the regular season matchup, I think they fumbled five times and the one were with Billy going into the end zone to basically in the game. Um, they fumbled five times in that game and then the orange bowl, they didn't fumble at all. Right. And, you know, I, I kind of like, it's right. Like you're right. Like it's not winning the national championship, but it is a satisfying way to end the year kind of akin to the 2018 season where OU loses to Texas, but then they play them in the Big 12 title game. It's like, how often does that ever happen? How often does OU play Nebraska in a bowl game when they're in the same conference in the Big 8? Like, it's just, I don't want to say it just means more because that obviously has a different meaning these days, but it did mean more, I would assume, for OU and Nebraska fans. And yeah, the the face says it all with Tom Osborne. It's, uh, he's like... Yeah, we got lucky, and I don't know if we can beat this team twice, even with the luck on our hands. And I actually watched that game a few weeks ago on YouTube. The whole game's on YouTube, and like I knew about the gist of the game, and I knew that Nebraska scored at the end to make the score look a little bit prettier, but I was a little shocked about how long it took OU to kind of get going in that game. But I feel like a lot of the OU Nebraska games, or like especially like a lot of the wishbone era games that I just watch on YouTube randomly. For whatever reason, OU's offenses would start kind of slow, but I think that's kind of just because when you're a running-based offense, it's not as explosive as what we're used to today where Lincoln Riley's teams can score 14, 21 points in the blink of an eye to start the game. Well, sure, and 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 not only did they have that issue in at the beginning of games, they often had that issue at the beginning of seasons. Go back if you can find it and watch the first game of the 1985 National Championship season. Minnesota. Uh, that, it was at Minnesota. I think that's the latest start uh, date wise to a season in school history. Cause I think that that game was like on September 20th or something like that. It was way deep into September before we started that season. Yeah. And I think we went 13 to six maybe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they were, was, they were still deciding whether or not Troy Aikman should run the wishbone or some type of pro set offense. And they unfortunately made the decision in the Miami game, literally six minutes before his leg shattered. So <laughs> I mean, Troy, yeah. Troy, Troy had some scoot in him or in his younger days. Like it's surprising to watch him like have some speed, but yeah, like he broke his leg and he just became a pocket passer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then Jamel took over and, and that was pretty much that. And, uh, Someday I'll tell you the story I have about going to a, going to a, a road game, like traveling to a road game with Jamel. We're not buddies or anything. He was a friend. Of, he's a friend of a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, but but he 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 went <laughs> he went along on a trip to Missouri one year, and it was uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. I mean, that wouldn't shock me. I I also have a friend of a friend who knows Jamel Holloway, so I'm like I I can see I can understand why it could be interesting but um i guess ou nebraska rivalry like at large um because on patreon i asked for some ou nebraska memories and and knowing full well that most people that follow us on our patreon page they're probably going to be closer to my age anyway um so what i tried to do was like give me an ou nebraska memory if you have one 
don't bring up 2000. We know, I know, I've seen that game a zillion times. I, I loved it too, but give me something different. So I, I guess if I'm going to ask that question to you, other than the games we've already mentioned, like we don't need to talk about the 90s anymore or the 78 Orange Bowl, um, I'm just going to take off the 85 game with the reverse and oh, which game was, was it 87 when they played in Lincoln in the sec for the second year in a row and Keith Jackson had the one handed catch to set up the game winning field goal. That was, that was 86, 86. Yeah. 87, 87 was the year that, uh, was it Broderick Thomas, you know, was talking about our house and stuff. Maybe it was Broderick, somebody. Oh, and, and Patrick Collins had the bow. It, right. And, and, and we came running out with the, they had a big key made and they came out, though you came out of the locker room and somebody was carrying this key. So this is key to their house. <laughs> but yeah, Patrick Collins, Patrick Collins goes down the left sideline for 60, 70 yards, whatever it is. And then does the, does the bow in the end zone. Yeah. Well, Cause that I'll game wasn't, that game wasn't that close. Yeah. Well, I'll take off those three games. I want a more obscure, just something that might be special to you uh, in your younger days when you think about OU Nebraska that you might be thinking about this week as we get closer and closer to the game. Well, you know, one game I always think about, um, I believe was that it was the, uh, it was the 83 game. And that game was played in a downpour uh, before they had banned umbrellas from the stadium. So I distinctly, I was sitting in the upper deck. I distinctly remember whoever was sitting in front of me, their umbrella runoff was going right into my lap. Uh, I, I very distinctly remember that. But that's that's the game. Uh, you know, Nebraska was, I, I thought, quite a bit better than us that year. I don't remember what our record ended up being. I think that was the year we played in the, uh, I don't think we, did we, I don't think we played in a bowl they played, game. Anything. They played yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii to end the, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I asked you about this game uh, during lockdown last year for a little project that I'm still sitting on. Uh, but I, I asked you about this game. So I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. I'm familiar with this one. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's the game where uh, Spencer Tillman scored a touchdown uh, by leaping at the five yard line from the five yard line. And going over, I don't know, seems like more more players as the years go on, but several leapt over several Nebraska players in a full-on Superman dive and and landed in the end zone for a touchdown. And we ended up losing by, I don't know, three or seven, not by much. It was they were better than we were. It was a valiant effort that we put put forth and, and weren't successful. But you know, that play and that leap has always stuck in my mind, having seen it in, in person and, and then of course seeing it on video later. So much so that that when they tore up the turf in Norman, uh, you know, they, you know, for those of you who think that it's always been grass and think that that's always been, you know, a laser security system on the field to keep everybody <laughs> off, that that ain't how it was. Uh, you know, the old turf was like sandpaper laid over asphalt, and it it basically was that. Uh, and when they tore it up, they just took bulldozers to it and ripped it up in big strips yeah. and. The stadium was always, I mean, for the most part, the stadium was always open. You could go in there and fart around on the field whenever you wanted because you weren't going to do anything to it. It it was it was concrete, basically. It was like a parking lot. So when they tore it all up, they didn't, it wasn't secured or anything. So I went in there and got a big roll of that AstroTurf as a souvenir. And I I specifically went down to the northwest corner to try to find, 
you know, I literally wanted the spot where he, had, where Spencer Tillman had taken off on that jump. <laughs> now it was, it was too torn up to tell, you know, what was what by the time I got in there. So I got a piece from that general area and it's in my storage. It's a big roll of it. I mean, I got enough to carpet half a room, uh, but I can't find it now, but <laughs> yeah, just, just thinking about the amount of ACLs and knees and feet that were unnecessarily broken by playing on a parking lot and running the wishbone on it. It, it truly hurts my heart. <laughs> well, you know, when I was in school, people used to go in there to sunbathe. I mean, they just lay out on the turf and, and catch the rays. Yeah. I, my dad always tells me like, you know, cause it, the field, I guess was much more, I mean, it had a crown on it because you know, it's the wishbone yeah, running you, side to side. You, you, could, you could only, if you were standing on one sideline and somebody else was standing on the other sideline, you could only see them from about the belly up. It had that much of a crown. Yeah, uh, and it was, you know, and, and the old, the old joke was, is because the, you know, you run faster going downhill. Yeah. So I guess the, whoever the opponent was, wasn't able to see Jamil Holloway eating a hot dog on the sideline. If he was literally sitting on the bench, you wouldn't be able to see him if you were looking straight across, but my well, yeah, dad, Jamel, Jamel, Jamel is short besides. <laughs> what is he like five, eight? He, I don't, it's been a while since I've seen him. He's not very tall. Yeah. He's lightning fast though. And back in his day, but um, my dad, he, um, he went to the stadium for like a baseball camp. Um, like there was something going on at the baseball field at OU. So they had to go warm up, um, at Memorial stadium. And he said, I've never been afraid of taking grounders in my life, except for when they were hit on that parking lot of a field, because oh God, the hops that those balls were taking was like, and they just pick up speed as soon as they'd hit the ground. And it was like, yeah, I would want nothing to do with that. Yeah, no, that, yeah, you'd be taking your life into your hands doing that. Now, of course, you know, I don't know if you know, you know, the baseball field used to be wh where, where the practice, the football practice fields are now. I don't know if you knew that. Just, just south of the stadium, like. Right. Yeah. I think, a matter of fact, I think under some of those shrubs, some of the, some of the footings for the stands are still under there to some degree somewhere. I could be wrong. Uh, they used, it seems like they used to be, they may, they may not be there anymore after all the work they've done around the stadium. But yeah, the, 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 the baseball field used to butt right up to the South end of the football stadium. I wish the football field would butt right up to the basketball arena, which should be at McCaslin. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be cool. I, you know, Lloyd Noble long ago served its purpose and needs to be imploded. Just it needs, it that, needs to be on general it principle. Be, it needs to be put to pasture. <laughs> like, absolutely. It'd be more conducive to a much more fun atmosphere for basketball. But I mean, that's, yeah. well, that's, I mean, I got, I got seats on the second row at, at basketball and I'm 15 feet from the floor or 20 feet from the floor. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, that's one of the 1970s multi-purpose. It, it's like the basketball version of three river stadium and veteran stadium. It's just, it's just awful. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like OU's stadium layout, because if you're, you know, if you've got close seats, you are right up against the field. Now it's not necessarily conducive to player health and safety because we've already seen players like not necessarily at OU, but at OSU, it's basically the same type of deal where the field is right up against the stands. Um, we've seen players run into the wall. So it's, I'm sure the players and coaches have their opinions about it, but as a fan, it's like, awesome you're right up against the action. Whereas like NFL stadiums, you are, you are just so far back that you have to, you have to be either high up or 
if you're at Jerry World, you just watch that damn TV screen right in front of you because it's so huge. So, that, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned about that. We're talking about Nebraska. You know, in that 1990 game, uh, their quarterback. Yeah, it was 1990. The, the the game where we won 45 to 10, and everybody thought Gary Gibbs had turned the corner. We we're coming off probation, and that was leading into what we thought was going to be, you know, back to the glory years. But um, Mickey Joseph was there was Nebraska's quarterback in that game, and he got piled into a into the bench uh, early in that game, and I think he cut his leg or something. He got hurt. He got hurt pretty significantly. And couldn't play the rest of the game uh, because of getting the, you know, the short sidelines getting piled into something over there. Uh, it's just, ugh. yeah, that didn't, that didn't sound fun at all. I, I did a little bit of a deep dive on that game because like I put that picture on the Monday post of my infant self laying on a pallet, watching the game, um, watching that game. <laughs> yeah. Watching that game. My dad was in, um, he was serving in the Gulf war. He was stationed in Saudi Arabia at the time and he's watching the game you know, like at four o'clock in the morning, whatever time it is over there locally. And, um, you know, watching it, he, he claims like in a tent full of Nebraska fans and he's the only OU fan and just letting them hear about it, you know, 45 to 10, a 45 to 10 victory. And then my mom sent him that picture and it got to him like, you know, a week or so later that, you know, I'm watching the game too. But I, I guess like 91 was like a super disappointing year for Nebraska and OU. Yeah. Like, going into 92 had high expectations. They were ranked high. Then of course the one thing that Gibbs couldn't do, couldn't beat Texas. And you know, 91 sales kind of got led under it after that, at that point. Yeah. All those games from 89 to 92 kind of run together. I can't remember if 91, if it was 91 or 92, one of those years we scored a touchdown against Texas and Gibbs tried to sit and, and, uh, and uh, Texas had a kicked a field goal, but Gibbs tr- tried to sit on a four point lead for like two and a half quarters. And if we had hold if we had held onto the ball, uh, he would have. But we we dropped a fumble that got returned for a touchdown by a guy named Bubba Jacks. Never forget oh, that guy's name. I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen this play. It's heartbreaking. And it was it was <laughs> I think it was I think it was Mike McKinley. It was a fullback that fumbled the ball, if I'm not mistaken. Yikes. But, yeah. Yeah, the Peter Gardere games are frustrating because Texas is not good. I mean, I guess neither really yeah, is OU, Peter, but OU. Peter, Peter Gardere is a legend in Austin for beating OU four years in a row. And, you know, other than throwing, I think, one or two of those years he threw. No, one of those years he threw a touchdown pass at the end. One of those years we missed a field goal. One of those years they returned a, a fumble for a touchdown. And I can't remember what happened the other year. But – very little of those four years had anything to do with Peter Gardier, but he's the king of Austin and will forever be so because, you know, nobody's ever going to have a better record than he did against Oklahoma. No, uh, I mean, it's the opposite of Sam Ellinger's career numbers against Oklahoma, but oh, well, oh, well. Final thoughts, Mr. Road Warrior, uh, you, oh, which, of course, you can follow this gentleman on Twitter at OU Road Warrior. Uh, you can fo- follow his work as well at soonerfans.com and of course sooner spectator magazine which of course is you know basically on every OU fans in table coffee table every time I go into an OU fans house somebody I know it's always there uh, but I mean what are you going to be looking for in this game and it doesn't have to be like something about Spencer Rattler or something about this te- about this team but even as a fan that we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show 
I mean, are you are you more excited for game day atmosphere or game day experiences with other other Nebraska fans, or are you very much going to like, no, I want to see Spencer Rattler make an improvement. I want to see the defense step up. I want to see how the receivers show out and show how talented they are. No, you wins big. Well, I I think there's more than other games. I'm I'm interested and in, in concerned about you know interactions with Nebraska fans. I, I will seek them out and welcome them. If I, if I see them, I try to do that anyway. Uh, but, but they've, they've always been like that to me when I've come to Nebraska and, and, uh, and it's been that way when they came to Oklahoma regularly too. And I, I'd like to, to, to see that, that go on again and I'll do my part to, to help with that. Um, you know, as far as the team goes, uh, you know, like I said, I think if they execute, uh, the way they did against Western Carolina, um, and, and keep their heads in the game, I think we'll be fine, you know, whether we win by, you know, six touchdowns or, you know, 15 points or whether it's a close game. Um, you know, like, again, I, I'm, I'm not sure that Nebraska is better than Tulane. And, yeah, we should have stomped Tulane. So I would be surprised if the game is particularly close. But um, you never know. How does it make you feel? Because I think Lincoln Riley got asked this earlier today. How does it make you feel that when he was asked about his memories of the OU-Nebraska rivalry, he said that, um, I don't have any memories of any of the 80s games because I was a young kid. How does that make you feel? Because I'll be honest, growing up, you know, Bob Stoops was 20, 25, 30 years older than me, and it made sense. And now that the head coach of the football team that I root for in college football is basically my age, I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> what's happening to me right now? Well, uh, I mean, when you put it that way, it makes me uh, it makes me feel old. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you you know, I didn't even mention it, but your 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 comment a minute ago about uh, you know your your dad being overseas and your mom sending him a picture of you watching the nineteen ninety OU Nebraska game uh, <laughs> laying laying on your on your pallet as an infant. Um, you know, I graduated college that spring. <laughs> So, I, I'm you know. sorry. <laughs> ah, that's okay. <laughs> I'm right. I'm I'm not old. I'm experienced. So. There you go. That's that's and that's how we'll end it. Uh, but uh, once again, Mr. Road Warrior, thank you so much. Always appreciate. It. Look forward to uh, next week's Nebraska. Kind of what just happened? What did we just see? Are we happy? Are we concerned? Looking forward to Big Twelve play in West Virginia. Uh, but you you told me yesterday that you'll actually be in Seattle for that podcast if we record on time. So that'll be that'll be a little interesting. And uh, like I told you on the phone, uh, please wear nothing but Thunder gear when you're up in Seattle. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I think I can manage to take take something along with me just to just to just to to suss out the vibe there of people when they see me <laughs> it off. Uh, that'd be fun. But everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Uh, again, you can follow Road Warrior at OU Road Warrior on Twitter. Um, please leave a five-star rating review if you've not done so. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time with Egan at Vanessa House on Thursday, Uber Sooner, and we will talk to you later.